Welcome to our This Is Me podcast. Yes, we found our theme in the movie The Greatest Showman. The purpose of this podcast is to inspire people around the world to embrace the inclusion of those with disabilities and to change this world by making it more accessible to those with disabilities. Our specific focus will be to share stories, provide information and insight to inspire us and you to change the world as families, friends, and communities who advocate for a world inclusive and accessible to those with disabilities. Our mindset must be that of Alan Kay, who said it's easier to invent the future than predict it. Or as other iterations from thinkers like Peter Drucker, the best way to predict the future is to invent it. This Is Me is an incredible song from the movie The Greatest Showman, as I already alluded to. It's a song of empowerment that appears in that movie after a scene where a Jenny Lynn, who's an opera singer, performs. And at that time, P.T. Barnum was amidst some aristocratic and wealthy people, and he became ashamed to allow them to come in and see the people he had been working with, which were people who had unusual appearances, unusual backgrounds, even some disabilities of types. And P.T. Barnum was really so ashamed of them, he wouldn't let them in. It hurt the people that were in his group that he had really rescued and given purpose to. And that pain, they turn in the movie into the song, This Is Me. And the song, it starts out with an incredible set of lyrics, a powerful set of lyrics. I'm not a stranger to the dark, hide away, they say, because we don't want your broken parts. I've learned to be ashamed of all my scars. Run away, they say. No one will love you as you are. But I won't let them break me down to dust. I know that there's a place for us, for we are glorious. When the sharpest words want to cut me down, I'm going to send a flood, going to drown them out. I am brave. I am bruised. I am whom I'm meant to be. This is me. Look out, because here I come, and I'm marching on to the beat I drum. I'm not scared to be seen. I make no apologies. This is me. It's an extraordinary song with extraordinary lyrics that really guide us to be the kind of people that say we're not going to be ashamed. And again, that's what this podcast is about. Today, we have Greg Bodziak, Nathan Shapronoff, and myself for this first iteration of the This Is Me podcast. We're going to tell the story of inclusion and accessibility through esports for the family or individual disabilities, for their friends, for their community who want to meet the grief, the pain, the suffering, the obstacles, the injustice, the loneliness of life with disabilities. If you want to meet it with the spirit of innovation, you found the right podcast. If you want to be able to have determination and not be engulfed by despair, you found the right podcast. We choose and hope you will too to defy gravity and say, this is me. And so we'll begin talking about our esports programs. Greg and I were riding in a car one day and came up with this program. And I had read an article about hand-to-eye coordination being less easy to develop than foot-to-eye coordination. But I want to let Greg start the story by telling you a little bit about our launch and about its history as we go on and tell this great story of esports, a story of inclusion and accessibility. Well, thanks for inviting me on today, Russ. Um, it's been an amazing 19-year journey. Uh, amazing that, that you and I were riding in that car 
in uh, early 2000, um, and I remember us. You know, it was it was incredible to be able to just have a friendship for so many years. And at the time, I remember I was a young married guy with no kids, and here you are, a you know a, a, a married with two boys with significant special needs. And I I just remember us talking on the ride about your experience with your boys and wanting them to get involved in a sports environment where they can build friendships, not only with other kids with special needs, but as well typical kids. And, you know, of course, my background in soccer, having grown up all my life, playing competitively, loving, being passionate about the game, and uh, wanting to learn how to coach more and do that as I, as I aged, um, I just remember it was that car ride was the genesis of the idea to bring kids that were typical and special needs together on a field because, you know, just because of our friendship, I wanted to be able to help your kids have that opportunity. I know all the years of, of, uh, of playing sports and the camaraderie, the bonding, the, all the social uh, benefits that I got from growing up playing sports. I remember us sharing stories, riding in the car about what it was like growing up on sports teams, you playing basketball growing up, me playing soccer, and all the great memories we had. And, and and us just dreaming about those opportunities for your boys and uh, them being able to be involved with typical kids and, and what could become from that. So I think that was that was a, I remember that that car ride and it was just a couple weeks later we met at a small elementary school, Bowditch. Um, uh, I think it was either middle school or. Do you elementary remember what school. year that was? That was April of two thousand when we met at, the, at that field. And okay. I remember we went out there, we said, hey, let's just gather. I was going to bring um, some of my soccer friends, guys that, that I coach and play with, and and you know, you, you had some families in mind that had typical kids, special needs kids, and we said, hey, let's just meet out there. I think we had like eight kids total, six to eight kids, I think. Um, about half of them were typical and half had special needs, and then I came with three or four other guys who, who I play soccer with. And- so our car ride must have been, do you think it was in January, or was it earlier than that? I can't remember. When it was that car either ride was. around. It was either around the holidays of the year before, or in January, February, somewhere in there. Yeah, because yeah. I read the article, and I can't remember what 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 uh, what periodical or journal I was reading because I read a lot of them. It wasn't a special needs one, uh, and they said very specifically the reason that soccer was a global sport was because it was played all over the world, right. certainly. But the reasoning that the writer had was. Uh, foot-to-eye coordination comes much faster than hand-eye yeah. coordination, and that uh, it made me think about playing kickball when I was growing up in school, yeah. and that everybody played kickball. And I don't even know if people know what kickball is, but you know, it's kind of like <laughs> a baseball game, and you get this little rubber, this big rubber ball, yeah. and then you roll it, and then people get to kick it. I remember in elementary school that was the first yeah. sport we played, yeah. and and that, but then you go to at that time baseball. And that was really hard for a lot of kids because right. now you've got to have hand to eye. And so I remember us having that whole discussion in the car. Yep. And because I couldn't stand soccer growing up. Like, <laughs> I, 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 I had I, to win I, you over. You, it took some I, time. Well, I remember, <laughs> I remember in high school we had three guys come over from England to our high school. And they were all soccer players. And they were turned into football players, American football players, because we had no soccer at the school. Now, what's funny is my high school now is one of the better soccer uh, teams in Michigan, but at wow. that time we had no soccer. So the mindset coming yeah. up, growing up in the seventies, was soccer's not right. an American sport. You knew about Pele, yep, but you didn't really do that. So yeah. the only reason I brought it up is I went, if foot to eye coordination comes quicker, right. soccer will be the best sport for my kids right. to learn. Now here's the interesting thing: I didn't figure that out till we did little league baseball. Right. I don't know if you remember that. I do. I remember you talking about. So that. my son Nick was eight. Jonathan was eight. 
and we went to a little league uh, uh, baseball, and we were on a special needs team. The community uh, was really great, and they had a special needs uh, team for um, uh, the baseball teams. And so I remember it was pitcher day, and you all the teams show up. And I'm coming out there with Jonathan, and I'm kind of nervous, you know, because you know he's he's got Down syndrome, and 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 uh, and we're we're walking in, and I'm really nervous, and I'm looking for the team, and I keep asking people, where do we go again? Where's it at? Yeah. And we wind along, and we're going past all these teams, having so much fun and getting ready for the pitcher, and in the very back is where they had the special needs team, mm. which of course now that yeah. we know what we know. We would have put them in the very front right. for ease of accessibility, right. and 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 we huh, would have we would point. have had them playing on the teams with the kids yeah. that were typical. But I went back there, and it was a tremendous experience being with them. But I remember at one point uh, a, a fly ball went up, and and uh, and it was going to come down on some kids and my son, and I ended up reaching out and catching it, and then someone sort of reprimanded me and said, "Oh, we don't do that because we want them to, you know, do this thing on their own." And I remember going, "Okay." This doesn't remind me at all of what I was like growing up. Mm-hmm. Number one, when I was growing up in Little League, the parents were all on the sidelines. And it was a community thing. Right. And everybody was, like, invested in everybody else's kid. Yeah. And it was just such an extraordinarily fun experience. And I was like, we're not having fun. I remember one day I was driving to the, the, the field, and I looked at Jonathan in the back, and he didn't look too happy. And I looked at myself in the <laughs> rearview mirror, and I was like, I didn't look too happy. I go, this is, if we're not having fun, right, right. this is no That's good. what you know. That's, uh, we need something different. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's what led to our You're not even ride. there yet. You're not happy. <laughs> yes, exactly. You're not even there. So that's what led to me coming. I read the article, and I went to you, Greg, and I was like, I knew you were the, the most passionate and the best soccer player uh, that I had ever met. Uh, and, uh, of course, you'd done some, uh, you, you know, going to Maryland, UCLA, I remember you playing soccer in D.C. with some guys that were really good soccer players. And I went to you and I asked the question. And I remember I remember the question. I said, so, Greg, I really have this idea about soccer, but I don't know if it'll work. And and and, and, and let me tell you the idea. And I said, I'm, right. I'm thinking maybe my kids can learn this faster. And you go, oh, yeah, of course. And, of course, yeah. you know, you at that point, you're. A, he goes, you'll absolutely work. And I remember yeah. feeling so inspired when you said that to me. Because yeah. I knew nothing about yeah. soccer. Well, it's funny because I was I was uh, talking about this the other day. How um, for me at that moment, I remember talking to you about the idea. And for me, I had always been thinking, boy, soccer for me all my life was for me. I mean, I, I had I had played soccer at you know at a competitive level all through high school. Played in college in Spain at University of Madrid. Played in in at uh, UCLA, um, not at the school, but was playing semi-pro ball there in the, in the area, just playing at a high level all mm-hmm. my life. But it was always trying to develop my skills to be a better player for me. And I, and I remember thinking, wow, I've never used my passion for soccer to help somebody else, specifically on a soccer field. So I just remember thinking what a joy, what a, a pleasure would be to be able to use that passion to help your kids. And, and of course, just because of our friendship, I, I thought this was going to be a, an amazing way for me to give back so much of what I've been giving all the years of the training I'd had, the experiences I had. And I just thought, boy, that'll be incredible for your boys, Jonathan and Jordan, and for all the other kids that were involved. Now, what's funny about it is this. So if you're out there listening, your parent, and you may be thinking, what is e-soccer? You guys haven't told us what it is yet. Or if you're a coach or you're someone in the neighborhood or a friend, you go, what? Well, okay, e-soccer, e-soccer, what does it mean? Well, first of all, the E stands for exceptional. And the reason we chose exceptional is because it, it was going to be something uniquely different that met needs that were unmet. So that it was an exceptional sporting environment. And Greg and I both having played at, at a variety of levels, as he's already alluded to, soccer and basketball, 
the um, and Greg can talk. He can talk more about the E and all that in a minute. He'll give you more detail. But um, the the thing that 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 it really was about was I I sat down and said this has got to be inclusive, right? And so if you're out there, and, and we're not saying that if you don't want your kids in an inclusive program and you'd prefer they be with special needs kids, that's totally fine. So there's nothing wrong with that. We're telling the story of what we did. And I looked at Special uh, Olympics, and I love Special Olympics, and it was awesome. But at that point, I was like, I'm looking for something that will allow my son to be part of society for his whole life. In mainstream is not even the word to say, because mainstream implies I'm trying to get him into something. Uh, no, it's just that he can function as part of our society. And when I went to the baseball practice that day, the pitcher day, what I saw was for the rest of his life, he's going to be separate from his friends because some of his friends were playing on the other teams, but he wasn't allowed to play with them yeah. because he had to be on the special needs team. Now, I understood his limits, and I understand having played sports that there's a certain level of sport you can't play if you have a disability on a competitive level with in uh, interscholastic, say, high school sports or college. I get that. Um, but when they're very young and nobody's getting signed up for the NBA or Major League Baseball or Major League Soccer, there's no reason why they can't stay with their friends. And so I sat down with a piece of paper and I began to write down, okay, well, how would we do this? Mm. And so the first thing I wrote down is that it has to be inclusive. Yeah. And one of the battles we've continually fought with these sports is right, sometimes right. people take it and they want to make it only special needs kids. And one of the reasons is they have difficulty finding volunteers. So with eSoccer, what you do, this is the original The original framework is you have some special needs kids that you want to be included, but you go out and a good age group to get is middle schoolers right. and to be to be like peer coaches or or, or, or to work with the kids, uh, really, the, the oversight coaches. And then you get peers that are the same age as the special needs kids, and they play with them. So what you've got is you've got an eight-year-old with special needs, an eight-year-old is typical, and a middle schooler who's typical, and they're all working together in little groups yeah. to learn how to develop. And at that time, we had a physical therapist who joined us, and he was able to help us come up with really development plans that would take whatever they were doing at school or whatever they were doing at their therapy during the week, we would try to take those things and use soccer to enhance those developmental goals. Pretty extraordinary. And then the coaches we had come in were friends of Greg, people we knew, mm -hmm. and we would work with the coaches before practice right. to help them learn because many of them didn't learn. Yeah. They didn't know how to work with special needs kids, but even more importantly, they didn't know how to include special needs kids right. and typical kids. And including them is, yeah. is, is, is a work. Now, you, if you're out there listening, you may say, now, does this really work? Well, yeah, it does really work. And Greg will give you some details. He'll give you some numbers on it. Um, but it, it doesn't work if you don't work. And so you have to get out there and you have to say, okay, I'm going to have to work at relationships. And I work real hard as a parent at relationships with middle school families, right. middle school parents who were typical, showing them how being in an inclusive coaching environment would allow them to develop their character, would allow them to develop empathy. Because to me, and if you look at this statistically when it comes to uh, employment, emotional intelligence is one of the highest ones out there. Uh, if you have that quality, you can get a job almost anywhere. And so I spent a lot of time really recruiting middle school kids, recruiting typical kids. And one of the best ways we did it is we said, if you come and join this program, we will coach you up right. in how to play soccer so you can do really well. Mm -hmm. So, again, before I turn it back to Greg, e-soccer is an inclusive sports program 
that focuses on soccer, but we now have esports, and he'll tell you more about that. But inclusive meaning typical kids right. alongside special needs kids with typical coaches to make sure that they have friends forever. Last thing I'll say before Greg takes over, when I was in high school, I ended up being saved in certain situations where I could have been bullied because I knew guys who were older athletes in the school and were stars. And that was one of our principles. When, when, when our special needs kids hit middle school and high school, we want them to have athletes and kids who are well integrated in their school to stand up for them right. and make sure they're safe. And guess what? Here we are. I know my, my, my oldest son is yep. 26 years old. And he has all those friends that he started out with. They all protect him. They go on double dates together. They or do weddings together. It's just it's an amazing thing. But it all began in that little field at Bowdage. But let me let Greg give you a little bit more yeah. detail on this. Well, I'll just I'll start with where you ended because it, it reminds me that the, the word I think of is championing, and that's one of the coolest aspects of the program over the years. What you're talking about watching, you know, having been there for the whole ride over the past 19 years, watching. The typical and the and the, the kids with special needs working together and how they how the friendships champion them as they go through different stages of school and life and just seeing those friendships develop and seeing them um, seeing you know some of the kids that were typical seven eight year olds now in their twenties in college and having gone through high school with some of these kids that they coached and the ways that they not only championed them but they were just great friends and they helped them have an incredible very typical high school experience and I know. Um, you know, when I was thinking about, as you were talking about, just getting getting the coaches and teaching the coaches and teaching the, the kids, you know, the thing when we started with E, we, we put the E in E soccer, not only to be exceptional, <laughs> but we said that word means education. The I like e that. Still put also, the E in E soccer. We put the E in E soccer, not only for exceptional, because all children are exceptional, but the E really also implies and stands for education because we started, as you know, we all started not knowing what we were doing. And Mark, our physical therapist, we were all learning on the ground in the trenches week by week and one time I was asked so you know where did you you know when did this grand idea to create this program happen I said it just evolved we just showed up one week at a a park and we wanted to help the kids we wanted them to be included with each other and we were going to do soccer but we didn't know exactly how it was going to look and so we were learning how to take the stuff that Mark had the, the the knowledge he had from physical therapy the knowledge that I had of playing the game of soccer and coaching at some you know just nominal level and we put it all together and just because of our care for the kids and getting them together we were learning every week and I remember meeting after the after the games or after the trainings and talking about what worked and what didn't and what can we do better next week and that's how it evolved that's how it grew from you know just eight kids on a field in, at Bowditch uh, school back in 2000 over the years um, and you know of course after about a year or so I think we split and we had we, we went to, from a West Bay program to then opening up a branch of an East Bay program because we had families coming from way out in Contra Costa here in the Bay Area um, up in San Francisco south of us they were coming from all over because families were talking about what we were doing and they were inviting friends and of course the special needs community is so interconnected that we realized we I don't think when we started we realized we're doing something that is uniquely meeting a need and we're doing sports in a way that's not happening. It was happening in, in classrooms maybe, but it was only being done – it was only in theory on a, on a, in a sports environment. And so anyway, I, I digress, but I think that's uh, – you, know, that. you, you may remember the story because uh, we had about uh, – I forget the numbers, but whatever it was, eight kids, mm-hmm. eight coaches or whatever. And, the, and the, the, the nice thing about it when we started out was we did it just like we did when we were growing up. 
we had the parents on the sidelines right, and, right. and and one of the people that's gonna be important to bring in here in a minute is is we're trying to get lay the groundwork is Nathan because he came as a kid in in the in the in the, in the plan. And I want the, the listeners, I want our listeners to be able to uh, I want our listeners to be able to hear uh, from someone who g- grew up in the program as a kid, now is married uh, and, and building his own family. But um, um, I remember after, I don't know, maybe three or four weeks, it was starting to really go. Yeah. We, we, were, we were finding our way. I like that you said education and that we were learning because we were learning. And you and I had no idea what was going on. And we had run things. I mean, I'd, 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 I'd built and run a lot of uh, events and, and organizations, but I'd never done anything like this. Right. Um, but I remember I went home one day, and uh, we had, you know, finished on up, and I was sitting down for a minute, and and, um, and Gail had reminded me, or I told Gail, I said there was a, um, what was it, uh, a, a woman came by that, that we kind of knew with her and, and asked if she could have her kid be in the, join us and I was like oh man you know I I did this for my kids and (laughs) I'm trying to get my kids friends and I'm trying to get my kids set up and it's hard enough in life but now I'm I'm doing this for my kids and if you're out there you know what you 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 probably some of you can relate and uh and 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 when I told my wife I go well you know I don't really want to add people because we're just getting going and she goes are you kidding do you know what (laughs) parents with special needs kids are going through out there and and the help they need and 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 I think it just awakened me that this is not about me, that this wasn't about my kids. This was about an extraordinary number of kids around the world mm-hmm. that didn't have those needs. And I think that's that was the only. Otherwise, I would have kept right. it at Bowdage, and we'd have just right. been us doing it for yeah. to this day, probably. Yeah. But that's the only reason we expanded it. We didn't we didn't expand it because we even realized, like you said, right. the need. We didn't start there. That's not where we started exactly. thinking, but we recognized it. Yeah. And it's important if you're out there because you may be, you know, I, I grew up in a small town in a uh, pretty small town in uh, in Michigan. I mean, Grand is the second largest city, but a small suburb outside of it. You may be out there living in a, in a place where people you feel like aren't interested in this or you don't have the resources. You know, it wasn't that hard to get started. Right. Um, you can just find your friends and find parents that are your friends. All you need is a couple of families, you know, that are your friends that have typical kids and just find a time that works. It may not be Saturday. That's when we started. Maybe Sunday. And and just get them to come out and say, I just want to be able to begin to build a social network, a fabric for my kids to have for a lifetime. Because especially these parents, we know we may not be around forever, and we want somebody to be there and to know our kids and understand them. And I know some parents I talk to think, well, no one will want to do this. Um, there are a lot of people who want to do it. It's just a matter of being persevering to find them. Uh, and we'll talk more about that in, 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 in further and in future iterations of the podcast because we're going to do, I think we're going to need to do four or five on this yeah. just to make sure that you not only understand the story, but you get some of the practicals. But I have a couple questions for you, Greg. Yeah. Um, so how many kids would you say are in e-soccer programs and e-sports? Maybe actually, can you spell out what the e-sports programs are today? We started yeah. with e-soccer. Yeah. Just spell out what the e-sports Yeah, so are. we started with e-soccer in, two th- in the year 2000. Then we expanded into our, our, our second sport of e-karate in 2003. Then after that, um, somewhere between 2005 and 2010, we uh, launched our uh, e-hoops program, which has really taken off, and we can talk a lot more about that one. Um, and then a couple of years ago, we, st- we uh, went to e-fitness, and we started an e-fitness program. And then just over the past year or so, we started um, some e-dance programs that are sort of our newest our newest uh, venture into another sport. Now, have you joined the e-dance programs, Greg? 
Uh, no, not not quite yet. <laughs> I don't want to break out the disco move. So I'm afraid I might break something if I join the e dance. Uh, so okay, so that's good. That lets us know. Now, are there any any future e sports programs that you think are going to come on the horizon? Well, uh, you may not even know this yourself, but I have been talking to uh, one of the moms whose daughter was a big part of our program for many years. And we're working. She's working with a YMCA to, to uh, get an e swim going as well. Oh soon. man, so that I'd should be that. just another another opportunity. That would be phenomenal. Then you can build that big pool for us <laughs> in that big facility. Uh, now I know a lot of you are excited out there. You're listening and you're you're you're, you're getting fired up, but you're still not fully convinced that people will want to do it. So we have Nathan Schaffernoff, and his family has been a friend of our families for multiple decades. Uh, but maybe Nathan, you can tell people a little bit about why. You were willing to get involved in a program as a typical kid growing up to help special needs kids. It's funny, as you were talking about the baseball stuff earlier, I'm like, my family was the baseball family. Like, <laughs> I have grandparents who played in the majors and the minors. And so, like, we just like grew up playing baseball. So, I was one of those kids and, you know, playing baseball and like not, you know, being conscious of like other kids around me, you know, and like the different needs. And um, I know I started. It's a little embarrassing now, but I would argue with my dad was trying to get me to come out to East soccer when I was seventh, eighth grade. And he would I would fight him tooth and nail because I didn't want to go because I wanted to watch uh, Spider-Man cartoons in the morning. You know, I was just so wrapped up in my own whatever thinking. I'm like, oh, my God. And looking back now, I'm like, geez, whiz. Come on. <laughs> Spider-Man but, stuff, though. That's yeah, a tough act. Exactly. That's a, you, get, you, don't, you can't rack, you can't get on Spy- <laughs> I, like, I like Iron Man more, but go I was, ahead. I was all in it. But I was one of those middle school kids that you're referring to that came out in seventh and eighth grade and just started working with kids with special needs. Um, and not, I think at the time, I was just so young and like didn't really like comprehend the full impact that it was making on me, but then also right, on my peers right. around me. I, my mind jumps to kind of this story that uh, I, I was recently connecting with an old high school friend. He reminded, I didn't even think about this, but he reminded me that like when we were in high school and we had a PE class together, in our class there was a, there was a kid with special needs. And I would always talk to him. I would like hold the door open for him and whatever. And like I'd had no memory of this. But he he told me, he was like, man, I took notice of that because it was so different than what everybody else just ignored the kid in class. But like, I think I share that because I'm like, it's kind of crazy. Just you start at that young age and it becomes so just natural or just so normal to just interact and like see someone else as a peer, you know, who if they might have a disability or whatever. So I know when I look back and we've been I've been doing every pretty much every Saturday since I was in seventh, eighth grade, I've been doing e-soccer and now I'm 28. So I don't even know how many years that is, but um, and and still doing it even to this day. But I think it's just made a great impact on how I view people. Right. Just in general, you know, having compassion and like looking at people just as peers, as equal, and everybody's going through something, but everybody at the same time is also normal. Now, weren't you playing another sport when you uh, when you were in high school that you ended up sort of lowering it, lowering the priority on playing that sport, and whenever it would interfere with your being able to be at East soccer? Oh man, I w- I grew up playing baseball, basketball, football, ran track in high school, so like oftentimes games would be on Saturdays or track meets would be on Saturdays or whatever, you know, and I would make sure I'm at e-soccer or even if it was like one of those like super far away track meets where we'd have to go travel, I would make sure that like the kids that I would be working with at e-soccer were taken care of when I had to leave and I couldn't be there. So I'd make sure to communicate ahead of time and like make sure because I was like, these are my guys. These are my dudes, you know, and like I want to take care of them and make sure they have a good experience on a Saturday morning, you know, so even if I physically could not be there, there was still like 
just an awareness or a consciousness of like these are my friends. Yeah. The now, the now you, you know, you 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 probably remember, but and Greg does too. There were a lot of people who showed up to volunteer. Yeah. That were friends of yours and friends of other people in the program. And the reason I'm bringing this up, and, and maybe you and Greg can talk about that yeah. for a minute, but the reason I'm bringing it up is as a parent of special needs kids, it can be very difficult to believe there's someone like you. Like I'm sure there are people out there right now going, okay, yeah. that guy, Nathan, is a one-of-a-kind person. <laughs> I don't know but, about that. <laughs> but, 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 but I think there's much more of an appetite for it. But what I've noticed is people don't who don't have any familiarity with kids with special needs – may want to include them, but they're afraid that they'll make a mistake, they'll say the wrong thing. Uh, and and so we saw us, we still see a significant number of people yes, volunteering, right? Absolutely. That, well, I mean, I mean, that was one of the things that I was thinking about the other day. At some point in our program, we, you know, we realized that there's so many need, there's so many kids coming that we want to be able to involve in the programs, but we don't have enough volunteers. And so just like you mentioned, uh, guys like you, Nate, who are part of our program and that loved it, you would bring friends from your high school. And this was starting to happen as we grew over the years into multiple programs. We started to see a pipeline of these coaches coming, these volunteer coaches coming from high schools, middle schools, colleges. And that was in, you know, in part what even spawned and opened doorways for us to start eHoops programs at University of San Francisco, St. Mary's College here in the Bay Area. Because And, and let's, let's make a transition because, Nate, you can talk for a minute about your sister because she also was in it. And she sends some stuff that's pretty extraordinary. With, with, and again, for those listening, remember, this is a program that started in 2000. This is 2018. And what, what I'm trying to encourage everybody about is there are kids out there that will grow up to be adults who want to be friends with your kid now and, le- and, and will want to be for a lifetime. And if you hear this story uh, Nathan can tell you about with regard to his sister, you'll be impressed with what she's done with her life. Yeah, I was going to add to what you just said. I think like – the typical kids, they want to be friends. They just don't necessarily know it at the moment. But if you put them in that environment, like it's just going to become natural, you know, for them. Um, and yeah, so I, my older brother and then my younger sister, we, you know, we're doing e-soccer and spending time together. And then she ended up um, uh, going to college over in the East Bay. She was one of the support people in helping a group start St. Mary's e-hoops and then now she's working in San Francisco in the city, and she's brought many of the kids she works at a private high school to e hoops. And she just sent me; a, she actually just sent me a picture this morning that wow. their e hoops like uh, volunteers that come from her private high school they made it into the yearbook. Like the they're like vol- small volunteer Whoa. group, wow. and so it's become it's. And she's presented to the to the high school. And she's got other other uh, high school students to also like stand up with her and like you know uh, champion e-hoops and getting more volunteers to come out it's slowly but surely becoming like a fabric of that school where like she's brought out students and they're bringing out their friends too so it's slowly spreading to kind of this in this uh, in this little high school whatever and it's been i can feel super proud of her because i'm like she's she's there and she just has a heart for you know uh, getting to kids volunteer, building building the character of these kids. And I, I think it's important, you know, for people to be able to see, anybody who's listening, that that's how it changes the world. Yeah. That, you know, we live at a time where there's a lot of acrimony. There's a lot of anger. There's a lot of negativity. It's difficult to watch the news. It's difficult to watch society sometimes because there's so much conflict. And one of the things that is I think amazing is how much this experience teaches us not just to be empathetic toward those with special needs, but it teaches us to be empathetic toward everybody. 
I think you tend to be able to respect differences. And as Nathan alluded to, we're in the Bay Area specifically. We're in Silicon Valley doing this, which, you know, I don't know that Silicon Valley in all the engineering and the technology work we do down here, I'm not sure we are known as the most empathetic place in the world. Definitely so, not. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. So, so the fact that it succeeded here, right. and, and, and we started with, right. with one uh, little uh, group at a, a, a Bowditch Middle School where Canadian geese would migrate to. <laughs> and before the practices or the, 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 the games and the training, we had to go out there. The dads went out there with shovels to remove all of the Canadian geese, uh, you know. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, 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 uh, but, but that's what I remember my friends and, and their, my dad and their friends doing. They were always clearing off something, cleaning up something, mowing something, cutting something, putting something together. Um, but uh, we 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 did we did all these kinds of things, and I, and I and and I think now when you look at what happened with the kids, and we'll have more stories like that as we begin uh, to tell this. That we did all this in Silicon Valley. I know if you're living in the Midwest, the South, where. There tends to be sometimes a little bit more community than in 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 the the technology corridors of Silicon Valley. These things can be extraordinary, and once people learn to be tolerant of people with special needs, they become tolerant of uh, different gender. They become tolerant of different color. They become tolerant of different socioeconomic, and not just tolerant, but even empathetic toward. Right. Um, so you know, we're going to wrap up this this uh, this this episode. But uh, what would you want to leave them with, Greg? Anything before we – and again, we'll, we're going to yeah. probably deliver three, four or more of these. Yeah. But I, what would you want to leave them with? Well, one, um, one – as I was hearing you share, Nate, your story mm-hmm. about you personally and then about your sister. And uh, as we're touching on so many things, you know, like you said, stories are flooding my mind that you know, there's so many amazing things to share. But I think one of the – when I look at e-soccer and where it's gone from day one in 2000 with just a few kids, a few coaches and all, and I think about – not just how it's spread to so many multiple programs, but I think about all the different, what you were just saying, when I think about all the different types of people that it's brought together and that it's helped grow in different ways. For kids with special needs, building friendships, you know, learning a sport and building friendships with typical kids in that environment, incredible. For all the typical kids, all the siblings of the special needs kids have been a part of the program that have learned all those characteristics, the compassion, the leadership aspect of helping the other kids, um, the selflessness, all, all the, the empathy, all those, all those soft skills and those character skills and heart skills um, that have helped the typical kids. And I think about um, the community connection, what we're talking about, all the different organizations now, the colleges, the high schools that are sending their kids, and it's win-win for us and for them. These kids are getting to grow up serving, learning the things I was just talking about, the typical uh, coaches and kids would, would, would benefit from, but as well, um, they're getting community service hours to help them in their leadership, um, you know, positions at schools. So it, it, it's really cool. The parents, like you said, the sideline of all the parents meeting while their kids are being served, talking about their experiences, parents from different backgrounds and races and cultures with kids with special needs or typical kids standing on sidelines, talking about all they're going through, yeah. learning from each other, Beautiful. the therapists that have been a part of it. I mean, I just think it's uh, it's such an organic family, really. When we think about e-soccer, I know you and I talk about this. It started as family for us because we're friends. Yep. But that's really what it is, a giant family that, um, that you know, through all that we go through and all we hear in the news, like you said, uh, there's no place other than being on, a, on an e-soccer field on a Saturday where I can just feel like 
this is uh, it's it's kind of a perfect world in the mi- in the midst of everything going on around us because of what we're doing and and how we see families changing. All right, so um, I may get uh, Nathan in here real quick, but let me just uh, give you a couple of facts and some places to look. Um, again, this is uh, Nathan Schaffernoff, and and he uh, grew up in the program and shared some great things, and you'll be hearing from him again. Greg Bodziak, who really is the the, the, the wizard mind behind the development of coaches and connections. You'll be hearing more about uh, the work uh, that Greg has sort of spearheaded for us uh, with the earthquakes, uh, the San Jose Earthquakes, the Golden State Warriors. Uh, yeah, our programs have been on those fields and working with those folks, and those are two extraordinary organizations. Uh, you're going to be able to listen to the uh, uh, podcast here. Um, and we'll, be, we'll be sharing it and posting it. You can go to uh, esports.org. Uh, www.esports.org, and you'll be able to find the podcast. You'll also be able to go. Uh, I have my name is Russ Yule. Uh, I have a uh, a startup uh, named Digital Scribbler, and we develop software for kids uh, with autism and special needs who have uh, verbal challenges. And they use that software to be able to communicate. Uh, there's a whole story behind that, but that's, that's not the time. But you'll also be able to get the podcast there at www.digitalscribbler.com. Is there anything that you want to add before we go, uh, Nathan, that you'd say to the maybe maybe some of the uh, parents of typical kids, if they're out there who maybe listen, or that you could say that uh, um, would help parents of special needs kids to find friends for their kids, anything like that? Yeah, I think – it's only at least how we've structured it over the years, you know, with a, just a single hour on a Saturday morning. You know, yeah. you're not you're not really giving up too much of your time to actually like reap the benefits of, you know, your character being shaped uh, to being a lot uh, far more compassionate than you might, you know, be naturally. You know, so I think that's a big thing is that it's not much of not much of a time investment or whatever, but it definitely kind of shapes you for the rest of your life. Um, and the kids that we've had come through our program and, and myself kind of growing up in it, you know, they've gotten their middle school volunteer hours or high school volunteer hours and they go to colleges over the Bay Area or over the United States, um, you know, kind of s- still referring back to their time at eSoccer, you know, and just how it kind of helped them um, in leadership and training and, you know, compassion interactions um, and everything. So I think uh, it's just it's such a small investment of time reaps so much more uh, benefits. And and one of the things that I know you're probably thinking about is that that one hour turns into attendance at birthday parties, holidays. Right. Tell me about it. Yeah, I've been to plenty of birthday parties, plenty, you know, graduation parties for some of the some of my peers who, who have special needs who got, you know, graduated high school or, you know, graduated, uh, got different degrees at colleges and, and everything. And, like, just going there and being supportive because you're like, hey, we're friends. Like, this is what a friend does, you know. We're and that's, Im- that's important um, because, uh, 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 number one, you know, we won't give these statistics today. But there's an incredible vulnerability as adults with special needs grow up. There's an incredible vulnerability to depression, to discouragement, to isolation that's prevented by developing these programs. And, yeah, I mean, most parents out there have special needs kids and parents and, and, and kids who are friends of kids with special needs. They all know that there's a lot of advocacy involved. And so if that advocacy begins young – it's as impactful as any other therapy because you're going to make sure that when they're 30 or 40 years old, they're not alone and that they have people who care about them besides their parents. And that really will change the world. And I I think we need it. You know, if you look around the world today, if you read the newspapers, if you watch uh, the television 24-hour news, if you watch sports today, there's a tremendous amount of conflict. There's a tremendous amount of difficulty people have 
including people that they don't like or that they don't have a common bond with. And these are the kind of programs that I just think if people were involved in them from the ground up, from the day they were, you know, able to walk and move around, because one program that got added to esports was the program for the, I didn't even come up with this, the babies, right? Or little, yeah, rising stars. The rising stars. And I was like, at first I was like, what are we adding that for? It's, <laughs> we, we had to use up coaches for that. But I didn't get it, which is that the earlier the kids start, right. the more likely they are to be in, in, involved in it. And so uh, this is just an extraordinary thing. We're looking forward to continuing to provide for you the This Is Me podcast. And today it's Greg Boziak, it's Nathan Safenoff, it's Russ Yule. Uh, And I want to leave you with the words, uh, uh, the final words of This Is Me. Another round of bullets hits my skin. Well, fire away, because today I won't let the shame sink in. We're bursting through the barricades and reaching for the sun. We are warriors. Yeah, that's what we've become. Today is the beginning of the podcast, This Is Me. We'll teach and hopefully share and inspire you, your child, your adult child, your friends, your family, in your community, to include people in such an incredible way and to be warriors, really, for advocacy and inspiration to make this world more inclusive and more accessible for those with special needs. So until our next podcast, we hope you make great use of this, can share it, maybe can use it to inspire your friends, your family, and your community to get involved. And we hope to hear from many of you uh, over the weeks and months to come that are launching e-soccer programs, e-karate programs, e-fitness programs, e-hoops programs. Uh, we're looking forward to dynamically changing the world. Thanks for listening today, and uh, we'll be uh, seeing you on our next podcast. Yeah.